All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carey's in with you at 10.01 in the Capital Region uh, with our co-host on Tuesdays, as he will join us every Tuesday from 9 to 11, Grant Fuhr in Coachella Valley. Uh, Grant, we'd like to welcome in uh, an old buddy of yours, Kelly Rudy. Uh, Kelly, welcome to the show. How you doing, big guy? I'm doing well. Congratulations, Kevin, on the new show. And Grant, look at you, a uh, uh, media <laughs> superstar now the last few years. I love it. <laughs> I gotta follow your lead. <laughs> well, don't follow my lead. Uh, my career's gone in the toilet. So uh, <laughs> be yourself. And uh, no, Kev, thanks for the invite. This is great. I'm happy to see that you're back on the airways where we all love you. Well, I appreciate that, Kelly. And uh, you do such a great do- job down in Calgary. And again, now Grant, he's just you know he couldn't take it. He he wanted to get in and get in and on the swing of things, get into the business. But uh, do you guys remember, Kelly? We'll start with you. Do you remember the first time you kind of um, came across each other back in in the day here in Edmonton and area? Yeah, I do. Uh, so very similar to uh, Mark Messe, I uh, I lived out in the west end of Edmonton, as you probably remember, a yeah. place called Elmwood. Grant was from uh, Spruce Grove, everybody knows that. And <clears throat> Grant's a year younger than I am. And at around, in around, I don't know, say about 15 or something like that, we started to hear whispers about this guy, Grant Fuhr, and uh, similar to what we had heard about Mark Messier. And so he was always on my radar. I don't think I saw Grant play minor hockey, but I know for a fact that uh, we had a number of great battles in the Western Hockey League. He, of course, with Victoria. I was with Medicine Hat. Uh, and uh, I just finally remember those battles because, you know, whenever you hear about a guy uh, that's that good, you want to see him and you want to compete against him. And then, of course, Grant and I were teammates for a couple of mm-hmm. times uh, in the 87 Canada Cup and then briefly in Los Angeles. So uh, one of my favorite teammates of all time. Grant, what do you recall about the first days when you kind of ran across Kelly here in town? Didn't we go to Doug Messier's hockey school one year out in Winterburn too? Yeah, yeah, that's right, of course. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We With, were uh, who else is there? Clint Malarchuk we? was there as well. Yeah, oh yeah, Clint, yeah, that's right. So... Uh, I also think, Grant, one time we were uh, jeepers. This is going to be maybe around 1990 or 91. Dominic Hoshik, I think, was still a Chicago Blackhawk. And uh, we went back to that conditioning camp. Kevin Primo's, and I was at the U of A. And it was you, myself, and Dominic Hoshik, the three goalies at the uh, conditioning camp, which, looking back upon, I'm like, man, is that ever cool? Yeah, actually, I remember that because there wasn't very many conditioning camps I went to. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good very stuff. funny. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you got a text for Grant or Kelly, give us a shout at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. So, Grant, then I'll start with you, and then Kelly, you can kind of uh, follow Grant. But what about the WHL yep. days when you guys were uh, in Victoria and Medicine Hat? Go ahead, Grant, and then follow up, Kelly. Well, those were great days. I mean, at the time. Medicine Hat and Victoria had a little bit of rivalry because they'd swap coaches. Jack Shoup had yeah. started in Medicine Hat and came out to Victoria, and Patty Janelle was in Victoria and had gone out to Medicine Hat. So there was a little bit of rivalry there, and I think for the coaches, the games might have had a little extra meaning. Yeah, I totally remember that, Grant. <clears throat> that was the sideline that uh, we're, you know, we were young people at the time, 
the first time we played against each other in WHL, I think you were 17 and I might have been 18, if I get my years correct. And it was, uh, you know, you were still so focused on your own play, but we did know of that rivalry and the uh, coaching swap and all that. Uh, I, I remember uh, with Grant that uh, he was extremely – uh, talented but extremely athletic, and I remember Grant or uh, Wayne Gretzky, teammate of both of ours, after saying Grant was the uh, most athletic uh, player he's ever played with in any position. That was cool. I don't know, Grant, if you went through the same sort of thing that I did in in Medicine Hat. That you know, when you're playing amateur hockey, uh, it's great, and you know people come to see you play, but it's nothing like when you're playing where people have to pay their hard-earned money to go see a play, as it was the case in Victoria Medicine. The point I'm trying to make is once you finally get to that level, and maybe you're on your own. I know one time I was with a teammate. We were in the Medicine Hat Mall, and the game didn't go very well the night before, and fans recognized the other player. His name was Kurt Broadhead, and uh, they came up to him, and I was standing beside Kurt, uh, the person didn't know that uh, I was the goalie the night before and said, man, did that Rudy ever play terrible last night? <laughs> and so you start to learn what it's like to be in a market where people recognize you. Now, Grant, you had that uh, all your time in Edmonton and Toronto and everywhere, but I never played in a Canadian city in the National Hockey League, so it wasn't the same sort of intense feeling away from the rink, and I've always admired players like you and all the others that have go through that in the Canadian markets and handle it? You know what, it's different, but at the same time, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it goes with expectations. And at a young age mm-hmm. in Victoria, we had full house every night. I mean, yep. Unfortunately, my hair kind of made me stand out those days. <laughs> Needless to say, we're not having that problem now. But So, uh, no, people... So you, and I had those, you and I had those similar molded masks too, right? And uh, I I can't remember the guy in Edmonton that made my mask. I don't know if we went to the same place, but there are very similar masks. I think you were wearing that even your early days with the Oilers. And I think I moved on to a cage. Yeah. What was his name? Jerry Schultz. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) Wow. How'd you pull that out of the hat so quickly? (laughs) Amazing. I I remember strange things. (laughs) <laughs> we'll keep that it'll serve you well as a broadcaster <laughs> oh, good stuff between uh, Grant Fuhr and Kelly Rudy um, so when you guys Grant you, you made it to the NHL uh, you know a year or so earlier than Kelly did um, did you guys kind of keep tabs on even though back then you didn't play each other a lot in the early going when Kelly when you were in New York and Grant you were here did you sort of keep tabs on each other still at that time Oh no! You keep tabs oh, on where the other guys are going. I mean, I think it's oh yeah, it's a brotherhood as goalies. So you like to know where the other guys are going, what organizations they're part of, and how it's going for everybody. Kelly, well, it's so true, Grant. And it's funny, you know, it's much harder as you you would imagine, Kevin. So back then, in in, in the way to keep tabs, you'd either uh, open the paper the next day and look at the box score, or maybe in the case of the Oilers or teams out west. You have to wait two days if I was in New York because of the uh, the time change uh, and the box score couldn't get to print that next day. Or you had to wait for the hockey news, which would come about a week late. Uh, <laughs> but I also kept tabs not only on Grant, but his partner, Andy Moe, because Andy and I 
went to the Penticton Hockey School together, uh, I think, in around 1977-ish, 76. And so we were acquainted with each other from then. And then I played against uh, also Andy in the Western Hockey League. He was with Billings. We had played against him in a playoff mm-hmm. round. So all of us, as uh, Grant just said, it's a brotherhood. And we're, we're kind of connected in so many different ways. And we're always, you know, we're always competing against each other, but always rooting for each other as well. Grant? No, I agree with Kelly on that. I mean, yeah, it was harder to find information. I mean, if you were lucky, the game notes were complete and they would cover the East Coast games. Yeah. But no, it, you wanted to see how the guys were doing. I mean, you had Daryl May and Clint Malarchuk that were both out in Portland. Uh, yeah. So there was a lot of guys you tried to follow and see how exactly how they were doing because they were all great goalies. And Mike Vernon was another. So I grew Bernie up in Calgary. You remember, yes. I, I, Bart Hunter was Bart Hunter out in Regina. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, uh, Mike Vernon and I played against each other in the provincials, in the <laughs> midget uh, championships. And so there's so many different connections. Uh, Clint Malarchuk and I uh, grew up in the same Elmwood uh, community. Elmwood. Uh, we played ball hockey together since we were about 11 or 12 years old. Daryl May, as you mentioned, I knew Bart. I had known for a long, long time. So. This is a really cool conversation because I didn't know we were going to go down memory road, but it's so fun that uh, we've all stayed in contact and, and cheered for each other. That's for sure. Uh, Kelly Rudy, uh, Grant Fuhrer with us on uh, Sports 1440, the Kevin Carey Show. I guess, and Kelly, you mentioned it off the top in 1987. Would that have been the first time that you guys really were uh, for the Canada Cup, where you really kind of uh, got to know each other and fed off each other at a professional level, fair to say? It was for me that, you know, and that was my first real experience. I played in the World Championships the year before in Moscow, which was amazing. But to play on this Canada Cup team, and of course, Grant played every minute. But Ron Hextall and I were uh, rotating backups. And and just to be around it all, it was really cool. Now, Grant, I don't know if you'll remember this because you were so focused on the game. But so I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here. That same year in the spring... My Islanders, we played the Capitals in that quadruple overtime game, mm-hmm. and uh, which was a great experience. But So in game two in the final against the Soviets, we're in Hamilton, and it's going to the double overtime. And uh, I'm leaving the bench, walking towards the dressing room, and Gretzky grabs my arm and says something like, Hey, Kelly, after your experience in the uh, Easter epic, I want you to say a few words to the guys in the dressing room about how to prepare for a long overtime. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, what is this guy, crazy? I'm going to go stand in front of all these guys. There's Wayne, there's Mario, there's Mark, there's Ray Bork, there's every great player on the planet. And uh, we sit down, and and Wayne says something like, hey, guys, take a seat. I've asked Kelly to say a few words about getting ready for a long overtime. And I'm looking around, and everybody's looking right at me, and I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to say? But I, I came up with something about the first two minutes and last two minutes of the of the period being the most important because your focus was off a little bit. But anyways, that, that was a really cool memory of that. And then most importantly, Grant getting the win for the, can, for the country, and it was just really cool celebration after. Grant, go ahead. I had the easy job. All I did was play. <laughs> that, would be the, that would be the hard job, standing up, saying something in front of everybody. 
Especially at that time. I didn't say a whole lot back then. Grant, do you do you remember Grant the the, the support and Kelly touched on it between uh, you know Kelly and and Ron Hextall, uh, kind of the goalie fraternity there. No, I do remember that. I mean, we what was our fourth? Patrick, I think was our fourth goalie in training camp. Yeah, he was. That's right. Exactly. Not bad. So it, it was good. It just, the three of us would get together every once in a while, Kevin, and we'd talk about uh, you know our philosophy about playing goal and things and. I remember Grant saying something about, I can't remember which goalie we were talking about, but Grant, you said something about, I rely on my athleticism. If I had that guy's anticipation, I can't imagine how good I'd be. Something like that. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, I think you anticipate a play pretty well, my friend, but it was pretty cool. Um, your, Your styles were, how would you describe your styles to one another? How's that for a question? Similar, but different. Mm hmm. I mean, yeah, Kelly was te- Kelly was technically sound. I might not have been as technically sound, and I relied on my reflexes to make up for some of the blunders that I made. Whereas Kelly was always in the right position, and I think that's the one thing I admired watching was he was always very positionally sound, and especially got to see it. Remember the Wayne Gretzky tour? Oh my gosh, wasn't that great? It was awesome. So we we took turns playing every second night. So you get a chance to sit and watch up close, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. And and the preparation, I think that's that's something that uh, I've always uh, admired about all of my partners. And getting to know Grant even more on that uh, friendship tour that Wayne took us all on. I think we went on five different countries or something during the first ever lockout. But to get back to your question about style, uh, uh, positioning, again, was something we all look at uh, against each other or uh, uh, something that you really recognize the guy's positioning. Grant was great. I think that uh, Grant stayed true to himself, whereas I think I had to adapt because I I grew up playing more of a stand-up style, and that was becoming uh, way too difficult, and the shooters were too good. So I sort of like... Reckless abandon, I'd say, kind of how I ended up at the end of my career, just trying to do anything to make a save. What What do you guys recall of that Wayne Gretzky tour? Because that was, uh, well, it's a long time ago already. What, 94, 95? When was it? 94. 94, yeah. Yep. So I'll, I'll start here, Grant, yeah. if I can. Yeah, sure. What I remember about that tour, almost no sleep. We had a good time, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh. <laughs> Grant? Oh, that, there was a lot of fun had by everybody, but the great part was you knew you were playing every second game, so you could relax yeah. a little bit, and we get to see some great cities, some great cultures, and we may yeah. have partaken in some of the cultures. <laughs> so it was uh, yeah. during the lockout, guys, right? So then where did y'all go? Finland for yeah. sure. Where else? A couple of places in Finland. We started in Sweden. Uh, where else do we go? Germany, Switzerland. How did the travel work back then? If I, if I'm not mistaken, we started in Helsinki, then we went to Tempore, then we went to, uh, uh, Sweden, as you mentioned, I think we played in three cities in Sweden. Then we went to Norway and then I think we finished up in Freiburg, Germany, which was so cool. Right. Right. Grant, it was an outdoor rink with just a roof. It was snowing yeah. mildly that night. There, the fans were singing as you would expect <laughs> at a soccer match. It was so so cool. What a great trip! 
Grant? Yeah, no, that, that's one of the more fun trips that I've had. And it, everybody enjoyed it. Everybody, we had fun playing. I think you take a great group of guys, throw them together, and you get to see the talent, but you get to every, see everybody have fun because it wasn't quite as serious as some of the NHL games. So everybody got a chance to enjoy themselves a little bit. I should ask Charlie, <laughs> the Greenwood Freiburg, him and Koff changed at the same time. I should ask oh, him about no. that. <laughs> We went from a two-on-two to a two-on-oh. I remember that now. Do you, Grant, do you remember Brad Jansen, the, the rep from CCM at the time? And uh, I do. Gretzky was so kind. Yeah, they had a jersey, Jansen jersey, and he played that game. And I remember him sitting on the bench, and uh, he was in tears. He thought he was coming over to be the equipment rep for the company that he represented. And and in the final game in Freiburg, he was playing on the ice in the game with us. And I'll never forget that smile and the tears coming down his cheeks. That was such a cool moment. No, it was just an awesome trip. You couldn't ask for more than anything. How long did it last, guys? Was it just like a couple weeks or how long did it go for? Yeah, I would think. I think it was a long couple of weeks. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I think it was just before, I think it was in early December, and I recall getting home a few days before Christmas, if my memory serves me well. It sounds about right. I think we started with an exhibition game in Detroit against the Vipers, and then flew across and played. And we were there for probably a good couple weeks. I don't know if you'd remember this, Grant, but that game against the Detroit Vipers, by the way, they were a really good team in the IHL at that time. And so we played in that arena in Auburn Hills because we couldn't play in the, the NHL arena because of the lockout. And the Vipers were a good team. And we went to overtime, and there was nothing settled in overtime. So I was the goalie that played the second half, and I lost that game in a shootout. I'd never experienced a shootout before, and these guys were slick. They, were, they knew what to do, and I was like uh, – uh, just trying to hang in there, and, and we lost. But, you know, that's kind of what that tour was. Like, we played some really, really good teams. I I was really surprised by the Norwegian team. They were excellent. Like, they, I had no expectation what kind of game this was going to be. And I guess my point with this is that that is how far hockey's come. I mean, there's some good players over there that a lot of people in North America don't even uh, recognize. Yeah, and we got to see their best because they they were desperate yeah. to beat us. So we get we get yeah, to see their great. best hockey. You know, uh, we could go on for hours here um, for sure, Kelly. And I think uh, I hope we can do this again, Kelly, because uh, I think uh, I think you My had pleasure. a lot of fun uh, going down memory lane. Um, and we yeah. uh, this was just the tip of the iceberg. Actually, I mean, we've got a lot of things to cover that I didn't, we never even got to here. So, uh, can we do it again, Kelly? Uh, I know you're going to be busy as the season starts, but I'm sure we'll be able to find time and we can uh, uh, go down memory lane, talk with Grant a little bit in the near future. How's that sound? I'd love that, Kev. Uh, nice hearing from you again, Grant. And uh, stay in touch. We'll talk soon, my friend. I look forward to it. Great talking to you, pal. 
Okay, see you, bud. All right, that was a whole lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you get the feeling that, uh, Grant, that you two could talk about that trip to Finland and uh, Norway and the uh, friendship tour, whatever you want to call it. For and I, I don't know how many stories you could tell, the, the ones that really happened and everything, but it seemed like a yeah, lot of fun. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was good. I think, uh, you know what, those are the stories our listeners want to, they want to hear stuff like that. It's it's not just the X's and O's and things like that and get pucks deep, go hard to the net. They want to hear, you know, life experiences and what it was like to be, uh, you know, a professional player and what it was what it was like to do, go on a tour like that. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us, uh, with us Grant. And uh, we're going to have a whole lot more. We're going to check in with uh, Janet Tominick from uh, Sports Central, um, talk a little bit of charity work with Grant because he's done a whole lot of in his, uh, his career in Edmonton and now down in the States. Uh, but Janet will uh, touch on it with our uh, initiative here with Sports 1440 and our bike drive. A uh, whole lot more coming up on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fuhr, our Tuesday co-host from 9 to 11 on Sports 1440. Ooh, Grant 85, maybe 84. That was the footloose days. Uh, no question about it. Uh, 10.26 now. Uh, glad to be joined by Grant Fuhr. A lot of comments uh, uh, regarding that conversation with uh, Grant and Kelly Rudy. who go back a long ways, uh, back into the 70s, their time growing up here and then off to the WHL. But uh, th- that's the stuff that we want to bring you, those kind of interviews that are a little different. To, you know, not just, uh, as I said, X's and O's, and it's more about... Uh, memories and talking about um, relationships and how you um, kind of, you know, started one with a young guy. Both guys were one year apart. They're, uh, I mean, Kelly's, I think, uh, one year older than Grant. And they started in the minor hockey days and they were talking about camps and uh, goalie camps and Clint Malarchuk and then going to the WHL. And then, and now look at them. Now they're broadcasting legends. Grant's a broadcasting legends here. <laughs> You know, I don't right? know if I'll go that far. <laughs> well, hey, if, if, if you you did that was just great. I just felt like leaving. Like that's when you get two guys sitting around just talking, you know, talking about stuff. And I and I mean, you enjoyed. It. You could tell by your you know your inflection and and Kelly. You could you could hear it in his voice. Voice how excited and that that's what you guys want to talk about. Uh, so you know it, that's what we're going to try to try to do. And I'm sure that that's something that you thought about when you accepted this. You know what? It's the fun part of the game that people don't get to see. I think that's the thing. They see what we do on the ice, but they don't see the fun stuff that we get to do off the ice yeah. and the behind the scenes stuff. For sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, let's bring in uh, Janet Tominick from uh, Sportsnet, Sports Central. Uh, she probably wishes she worked at Sportsnet, but from Sports Central. Uh, Janet, we go back a long way too. How are you doing? And uh, can you kind of explain a little of this initiative that Sports Central has going on with Sports 1440? You betcha, Kevin, and we do go a ways back. We uh, at Sports Central are doing our first annual bike drive through the month of September here. As people know, Sports Central gets uh, used equipment to kids who otherwise can't get it, and so we're there for them to uh, to, to get them the equipment and get them doing activities. Uh, last year, we distributed 2,652 bikes to kids. Uh, which is fantastic. What we're trying to do through the month of September here is collect 1,000 bikes that we can work on over the winter and have those bikes ready for the spring because when we uh, give out three or 400 bikes come spring, our inventory depletes pretty quickly. So uh, we're just trying to be proactive and get ready to avoid these kids having any wait time to get a bike come spring. Where can people drop off the bikes, Jana? 
So we have four locations, so hopefully something near where you work or live, and that is uh, Bonnie Doon Mall, Londonderry Mall, Revolution Cycle, and United Sport and Cycle. And those locations are from 10 to 3 for the next three Saturdays, which is September 16th, 23rd, and 30th. And at Londonderry Mall, we actually have extended hours from 930 to six o'clock this past weekend was our was our first day that we started Mm -hmm. uh september 9th and we uh through the four locations collected 151 bikes which is an absolutely fantastic start and uh we're hoping that uh edmontonians and people who live in the area can come through with the other 849 bikes and uh you know i think there's just there's a lot of bikes sitting in garages or sheds that aren't being used and we just want to be able to uh grab those bikes that aren't being used and uh get them to the kids who need them janet tomnick from sports central is our guest on the kevin carrier show with co-host on tuesday's grand fear grant you did a lot of and still do a lot of charity work and how did you get into it i know you're going to say the 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 guy that always kind of got everybody involved when they got to edmonton but and why is it dear near and dear to your heart and why do you keep doing it uh you know what my parents kind of brought me back Growing up, it was about giving back. I mean, we were fortunate enough that we got to play a game for a living. And when you leave the game, you want to leave a little bit of a legacy. So the best way to do that is to give back to those that might be a little more unfortunate. And actually, I have a question for Janet. Yep. Are you are you having more trouble getting donations now than you did pre-COVID? Um. Not, not really. I mean, it's it's a lot of people during COVID, I guess, purged a lot because they they didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> so we got really a huge amount of of donations through COVID, um, and so things have been reasonably steady. But there's always certain things or certain sizes that we run short on. And, you know, particularly in the world of bikes is we're we always run short on 20 and 24 inch. And that's kind of the average age where the six to 12 year olds, you know, are are riding bikes. So uh, that's kind of the size bikes that we're looking for. But we take all types of bikes uh, and we have a fantastic uh, parts room and repair shop. We have 20 volunteers that work with our staff. So even if a bike is not in perfect condition, can have a flat tire, broken chain, no problem. We can grab that and make that roadworthy. Uh, you know, just people always come through when, when we are in need and ask for things. And uh, that's just continued for the 32 years that Sports Central is, has been in business helping kids. And Sports 1440 is proud to be part of this initiative. Hopefully we can get to our goal of 1,000 bikes this month. Uh, so once again, uh, Jana, just on the Saturdays, can you uh, tell our listeners once again where they can get the bikes to and so the technicians can work on them over the winter and give to the kids in the spring? You betcha. So the next three Saturdays, Bonnie Doon Mall, Londonderry Mall, Revolution Cycle, and United Sport and Cycle. And if for some reason people don't have a bike and they would still like to help out, our website is sportscentral.org. And there's a Donate Now button there that uh, people can make a contribution to us purchasing a bike if they like. Can I bring my unicycle in? No, Kevin, you cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? It you, should, you should keep that because people in your neighborhood will be entertained with you riding that. Oh, yeah. It's got like the massive wheel. It's about a 10-foot wheel. You need a ladder to get on it to start. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Jana, thanks for uh, coming on here, and uh, we wish you the best of success, and hopefully all our listeners can come through. And I mean, Edmontonians always come through in flying colors uh, when it comes to getting behind a cause or a charity, and this is another one. Thanks for coming on today, and uh, and uh, continued success at Sports Central. Uh, I mean, it helps so many kids in our city. Thanks so much, guys. Let's do this for the kids. You betcha. That's uh, Jana Tominick from Sports Central. Uh, so, Grant, uh, like... There was another thing. So, did you have to do any like a lot of cycling, even in rehab, and to keep the the, the uh, tension off the knees and the the jarring and things like that? Was cycling a big thing for you? Uh, you know what? Glenn brought bikes in my second year pro, so we covered a lot of miles on bikes over the years. An outdoor bike is a lot more fun than a stationary bike. I'll, I'll vouch for that. I've covered a lot of miles on a stationary bike and a lot of hours, and it's do I still enjoy it? No. Did I enjoy it back then? Yeah. You know what? It really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, texts uh, coming in to one 401 1440 for Grand Uh And we, we talked about it a little earlier, and so did you. Uh, hey, Grant, everyone knows Joey Moss. Uh, I grew up with the family and was close with his brother, Steve. And you did mention Steve off the hop, Grant. Uh, any memories of Steve when he worked for the Oilers as well in the 80s? And then with Ray Whitney as well, who was a stick boy. A lot of people don't really remember that, that Ray Whitney was a stick boy. Uh, Dad Floyd worked for the organization for years. But uh, can you just comment on those two? Uh, um, Ray Whitney and then uh, Steve uh, Moss as well, Grant? Yeah, Ray was Ray started off as our stick boy and Floyd was our practice goalie. Yes. I mean, that was great. He took the wear and tear for us. Yeah. But he's also a city policeman. So, I mean, no, Floydie, Floydie was f- fantastic and uh, Ray will be well known for his hockey career, not for working as a stick boy. I mean, a great stick boy, but a much better hockey player. So, and then Stevie, obviously, being around the dressing room, he's part of that cast that People may not see, may not know, but they were a big part of keeping us level-headed, grounded, and making sure that we were as good as we were. For sure. Uh, Grant Fear, another one coming in for um, our text line at one 401 This is from Ear Candy, and it was addressed to Kelly as well, But um, and I'll maybe kind of add to it a little bit, but looking back on your entire career, is there a single play or game that you might I've regretted the most or is there something like that maybe triggers something that man wish we had that one back or maybe a do-over is there something that triggers that for you Grant uh well my first playoff game I'd like to have back that wasn't very shining I think we lost 10-8 and I don't think there was an empty net goal <laughs> so that, that, that's probably not one of the highlights that'll go down uh, what other neat and exciting ones I gave up a goal to Rod Langway one night it might have been his only goal of the year he was actually dumping it in and it hit a partition in the glass and I ended up behind the net and the puck ended up in the net. So those are probably my two biggest highlights of things I would love to have back. Yeah, you know, our Monday uh, morning co-host is Lorianne Munzer, Grant, and I know you know who that is. We've discussed her and stuff. Um, So she's kind of a mindset coach. How, and goalies are, that's the number one position where players have to do this. How do you quickly erase that? Uh, A bad play, a bad game, and then how do you move on to the next one? Uh, you know what I was always taught? The best thing you can have as a goalie is a short memory. So I, I, I'm a fan of sports psychology. So I read a lot of books and still study the mental side of, of sports. And it's it's something I think that gets left behind sometimes is people don't think that, okay, bad things happen, but how do you get rid of it right away? Especially when you have 18,000 people reminding you that you just made a mistake. And part of that is you just have to let it go. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So if I had a bad game, I used to say, okay, I can pout about that 
till I go to sleep. When I get up, the sun comes up in the morning. Guess what? It's a new day. You can't do anything about it. You just have to get better. So, and I kept that mentality through my whole career. Could you use that same um, mindset um, on the reverse side of things, Grant? If you had a great game, made a great save to get back to that zone where you needed to be that you weren't thinking about how good you just were? That's the same. I mean, you want to try and stay in a level key. And that was, when I played, that was my sole goal is if I can not get too high, not get too low, just stay at a level key and hey, just try and keep yourself in the positive moment. And you didn't look, you tried not to look at any negatives. You could take a positive, but again, when you went to sleep, you get up the next day, you're back to square one where you start over again and you build to the next game. Whole bunch of texts coming in uh, asking Grant some questions. We'll get to them right after the break, including about the ice at Rexall Place back in the day. We'll get Grant's thoughts on that. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit of golf and some of his favorite courses and possible dream foursomes and things to that uh, extent. Uh, this is the Kevin Carrier Show with co-host Grant Fuhrer on Tuesdays, 9 to 11 on Sports 1440. All right, uh, here to wrap things up on a Tuesday morning with Grant Fuhrer, a little Aerosmith to take us home. Grant, you got some favorite music genres, favorite bands? What do you got? Um, I'm a big fan of the Commodore still. Nickelback. Ah, yeah. I've been lucky enough over the last few years to become friends with Thomas McClary, who's one of the founders of the Commodores, so... So he came to your tournament too, right? He did. Yeah. He did. Well, how did that go? It was awesome. Yeah. It happened to be my wife's birthday, so he was nice enough to sing to her a little bit. Oh. So <laughs> A little serenade. Yeah, a, little, a little tough to do that. Oh, a little serenade. That would have been a good birthday present, huh? Yeah, that probably should have to do that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you going to be golfing today or too hot down there? No, I went and got an epidural put in my back yesterday, so we're just going to let it calm down for a couple of days and part, just getting old things, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> um, this texture comes in. Great show. Love, Grant. Uh, my dream foursome on the golf course is Grant, Paul Coffey, Glenn Anderson. Um, would you have a, a dream foursome or a couple of them? Or maybe you've had it already. Have you been able to kind of have a dream foursome? And maybe do you have one that you could just uh, share with us or maybe a couple? Um, I've been lucky enough to play with a lot of guys, but never in the same foursome. But a dream foursome, I would love to have played with Phil Mickelson, Seve Ballesteros, and Tiger Woods. Hmm. That's not bad. Not bad. Three best, three best short games in history. So it, you'd learn a lot in a matter of 18 holes. You're you're in the top three. Who's the other four? The One of those that doesn't besides yourself that short game in history. Yeah, I would take theirs in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the great courses that we talked about it on uh, last week, uh, the courses that you like in Edmonton. And you, you really, I mean, you know all the courses. You played them all. Uh, what about down... In, in your neck of the woods. But what about, I mean, you've got the ability and uh, you've had the luxury to go kind of around the rest of the United States and across the world. What are some of your favorite courses around uh, the world? And uh, Let's see. The Floridian's a great spot in Florida. I've had a chance to play Grove 23, which is Michael's course. That's pretty spectacular. I think one of my favorites is Port Royal over in Bermuda. It's built right on the ocean. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, Carnoustie. There's another good one over in Scotland. Beth Page Black in Long Island, spectacular. Uh, Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago is spectacular. 
So I've been pretty spoiled when it comes to playing good golf courses. Um, do you always play the tips? Because I know you're, you know, that's where you play the championships from when you play in, in competitive tournaments. But do you mix it up? How, how do you look at that when you attack a golf course? It all depends on who I'm playing with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I play with some young guys that have corn fairy status and such. And of course, we're going all the way back. Some of us are not getting any younger, so it makes it a little bit of a more of a challenge now. But now we try and play one tee up from the back so that it's still a good challenge, but it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, text coming in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll kind of get back to the ice and it says, "Hey Kevin, can you ask Grant about the ice in Rexall?" Uh, and if it was as good as the story say, my grandpa Henry Stainthorpe was the head ice make, head ice maker from 1986 to 2001. So um, kind of a cool connection there. What do you remember about the ice at Rexall, Grant? The ice at Rexall was easily the best in the league. I mean, I think that was one of the benefits for our team is that we were a great skating team and we always had perfect ice. I think that's half the battle is you want perfect ice. And we were fortunate enough we had that at Rexall every game. What about around the league? Was it that much of a difference from Edmonton to where you went uh, across the league? Yeah, some buildings it was. I mean, you look at Madison Square Garden because so many different events go in and out. Their ice was always average. Uh, the old Met Center in Minnesota had fabulous ice. The form in L.A. could be hit or miss. So, uh, Winnipeg had great ice. Uh, Toronto had great ice. Montreal had great ice. Boston was always usually pretty good. Detroit always had good ice. So they, it varied from building to building, but the majority of the buildings all had really good ice. What about Boston, the old garden? I mean, so many stories and so many links to Oilers lore came out of the Boston garden. Uh, what do you remember about all the times that you guys played there? I know it's a small building. I think that was the thing. There was a small ice surface, so everything happened a little bit faster. And they weren't the big round corners. They were sharp, tight corners. So for a goalie, you had to watch when guys dump pucks in because they had a tendency to come right to your feet in the crease. And that took a little getting used to. How much did you, I guess, on the morning skate, uh, did you kind of practice in Boston to kind of get familiar with that? Uh, you had some guys throw some dump-ins in the morning skate. John Muckler was really good about that. He'd throw some pucks in and you just wanted to see how they bounced and how fast the dashers on the bottom were. That was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Is certain buildings had dead dashers, certain ones, they were really lively. And you wanted to know that more than anything as to how fast that puck's going to come off the backboard. What were the locker rooms like in Boston and even even Chicago too? Uh, forwards were in one room, goalies and defensemen were in another. So they weren't very big and they were not very fancy. Um, the fog in Boston, was that all, was it just in the spring, I guess, in in that playoff series? How did that work? Yeah, it's just heat and humidity. Yeah. And the same Boston, Buffalo, any kind of the East Coast buildings that were older buildings, air conditioning wasn't really a priority in those buildings. So you got a lot of steam and a lot of fog. Was it um, tough to deal with? I mean, how, I mean, delays, things like that. I mean, we saw what happened in the cup final. Yeah. It, all you did, you had to wait for guys to skate around to get the fog to move. And it was fine after that. But every, every now and then they had a nice little delay. <laughs> For sure. Uh, this one comes in from Tomato Soup on our text line, one 1440 Grant, do you remember playing with or knowing a goaltender in Victoria named Jerry Simpson? Do you, Grant? Um, I've heard the name before, okay. but I don't really remember him. Well, he was unbeatable, according to Tomato Soup. Uh, kind of a <laughs> funny text that said he was a good guy, but unbeatable. Um, what did you think of your conversation with Kelly? Because how often do you get to talk 
about stuff, you know, from, you know, anywhere 20, 30, 40 years ago with a guy that uh, you share a lot in common with. You know, when we get to see each other, we get a chance to catch up, but it doesn't happen near enough. I mean, I think that's, it's the fun part is catching up with somebody that you haven't talked to for a long time. And there's a lot of stories that go back over the years and a lot of really good memories that some that you forget about, and then you'll talk to somebody and all of a sudden it'll pop back in your head. So it's a nice way to kind of relive your life again. And Kelly, I mean, he's got, you could tell like he's a polished broadcaster. I mean, you get that right away, don't you? Oh yeah. He's been doing it for a long time. So Hey, they say goalies make good analysts, so I guess we're about to find out. <laughs> well, you're doing just fine, Grant. You're getting a lot of comments on our text line. Um, why do you think goalies do make good analysts? Uh, we just see the game differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're used to having the game come to us, so we look at it differently than a forward would. And we're used to kind of analyzing how things are going to go, how things are going to happen, because that's part of our job. You have to react to how things are going to happen, so you see it quickly and kind of decipher it a little faster maybe than a forward would. And for some reason, backup goaltenders. And is it just because maybe they're getting that both the best of both worlds? They're seeing it from the crease, and then when they're on the bench, they see a few other things, and they can kind of, um, I don't know, I guess they have a good chance to analyze things from a different points of view. Uh, who, who would be some of your favorite analysts? And if a texter wants to text us about their favorite analyst of a goaltender, please do so. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Who are some of your favorite analysts? Maybe outside goaltenders as well. well. I used to like Johnny Garrett, and Johnny was always fun to listen to. Um, I'll Kelly's bet, great to listen yeah, to. I'll bet you uh, John Davidson for sure. JD was awesome. I yep. uh, used to love the calls by Bob Cole. Yes, and that was always fun. But yeah, no, I try and listen to all of them because they all have different perspectives. So when I sit and watch a game, I'll watch the game, but I also like to listen to the play-by-play. I like to listen to the analysts because you pick up little things. Um, do you pick up little things now with your job coming up here with the color analyst for the AHL's Coachella Valley Firebirds? Do you pick up little things from certain color analysts and maybe incorporate them into how you want to do your job moving forward? Uh, the color side of the game kind of the game dictates that side of it. The TV side of it definitely. I mean that's that's still a full learning process because we're doing pregame show right now. We're doing intermissions. Plus I'm running back and forth doing color. So mm-hmm. trying to learn two jobs at once in two different places during a game. So we're learning as we fly. Texter coming in from one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty VR Greg. Uh, Grant's favorite Canadian course, question mark. Uh, uh, have you played uh, Cabot yet? That comes from VR Greg. I was actually out at Cabot last year. I went out and played the Play Yellow event in Halifax, and the guys from Dormy Headcovers were nice enough to take me up to Cabot and got a chance to spend a couple of their days up there, play a little bit of golf. Cabot's a special place. For anybody that hasn't gone, they definitely need to go out and see it. Uh, any other Canadian courses, Grant? I'm still a huge fan of Mayfair. I love Royal Callwood out in Victoria. Uh, Just played the Willows in Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. Really good track. Uh, The National in Toronto is obviously special. Uh, Let's see, where else? What about any courses in BC? I mean, do you get a chance? And, you know, there's so many, Kelowna and Kamloops and Vernon. And I mean, there's probably three within a stone's throw of them. And you can probably play two in a day easily. Uh, What about courses in BC? 
Yeah, you got Gallagher's Canyon. You've got where did we play? There's a place up in Kelowna that we played. that was up on the side of a mountain that was a pretty. I forget the name of it, but it was a great golf course. It was laid out really well. Uh, texter comes in. This is uh, from Gord Mick. Hi, Grant. A friend of mine is Greg Richardson. He backed you up for a year with Victoria. Remember, Greg? I do. Yeah, I do. Greg was there my second year. Hmm. How many games did Greg play? How many games did you play? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I got fifty some in. So, and Greg was probably not. I'm going to check right probably now. Probably got twenty-ish. Uh, second year you played in, you played 59, uh, with Victoria. Ooh, goals against 2.78. Uh, and you said you had Jack Shoup. 60 wins you guys had that year. Ian Victoria, Barry Peterson. I mean, man. Yep. What Barry a great Peterson, year. Brad Palmer. It's a lot of guys that were high draft picks. Rick Chernomaz? Cherno was my roommate. Oh, cool. Um, Greg Richardson played eight games. Uh, you played 59, and your other backup that year was Wade Jensen. Yep. Actually, I still talk to Wade once in a while. Oh, good. Uh, let's see how many assists he had. I'd like to check that out. Two assists that year. Not bad, huh? Yeah, not a big playmaker at that time yet. <laughs> still learning to control the puck. Um, boy, just looking on that team, Paul Sir. Um, yep. 16-year-old. He was just 16. Man, had a pretty good season. Mark Morrison. Uh, Bob McGill. Yep. Um, do, you, do you keep tabs with any junior guys still, if you can? Bobby, I still talk to him. He's out in Toronto now. Um, who else would I see from that team? Every now and then I'll talk to Barry Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Cortnell was a eight. Did he Cort- come in? Did he get traded? I still see a lot yeah. of. Did he come in in a trade? It said he looks like he's only played 11 games that year. Yeah, he came up later in the year. Came up later. Okay. Um, yeah, man, we've been really going down memory lane here, haven't we? I know. It's making me feel like I'm almost old. <laughs> well, we really appreciate uh, you coming on again, Grant. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Uh, it's been another wonderful show with you, especially talking to Kelly Rudy and, and uh, with Charlie Huddy. So uh, our thanks to uh, our guest today, Scott Burnside from uh, Burnside on Sports, joined us at 720. Uh, on the mark and energized by Booster Juice, Mark Spector at 8. Uh, he joins us every day at 8. Our Headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Daily Faceoffs, Frank Saravelli. Of course, our uh, co-host every Tuesday is Grant Fear from 9 to 11. And uh, we went down memory lane with a couple of teammates. Well, one teammate, uh, Charlie Huddy, and uh, a former goalie from the Goalies Union, uh, Kelly Rudy. And we also had Jana Tomkin on from, uh, Tomyuk, pardon me, from uh, Sports Central. So, Grant, uh, looking forward to doing this uh, next uh, Tuesday from 9 to 11. Have fun this week. Uh, I know you're getting up to speed with Coachella Valley. And um, maybe your back gets better and you can get onto the course in the next few days. Thanks for coming on today, big guy. Always a pleasure, and I will definitely be on the course before we talk next. (laughs) That sounds good to me. So uh, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening once again. Great show. Uh, We're going to have Fantasy Frenzy coming up at the top of the hour with the Duke uh, and uh, Connor Halley, the former T-Bird from Ross Shep. Plus, uh, up comes uh, the update here with the Duke. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow.